So we're starting a brand new uh, series today called By Faith, and this really comes out of what I shared with you last week. If you remember, whether you were here in person or whether you watched online, or if you missed that, uh, you have an opportunity to go back. You can catch that on our website or our YouTube or Facebook. You can find it there. would encourage you to do that. Uh, but we talked about Ezekiel 37, and we talked about how God took the prophet Ezekiel, put him right in the middle of the valley of dry bones, and in that valley, he asked the prophet, can these bones live? And the prophet had to come to grips with the fact that when he looked around, all he could see was death, and death had been there for a very long time because the, the, the bones obviously were dead, but they were very dry, so they'd been there for a while. And, and he had to have hope that God could bring life where death currently reigns. And we talked about how God is calling us as a church to be right in the middle of a culture of death. And in the middle of that culture, all around us, which is a culture that's dead and decaying, we have to be people who are willing to be people of hope. People who can look and instead of seeing a valley of dry bones, we see an exceedingly great army. And in that reality, we speak the word of God, the, the word that we've heard from God. We deliver it to the culture around us and God brings life. As I talked about that last week, I talked about the importance of having vision for the future, that we could look at our current reality and understand the reality as it is, but then look into the future with vision and with faith. And then it occurred to me that maybe we as a congregation need to spend a little bit of time thinking about how do we build our faith? Because the writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I just had a hunch as I was working on messages near the end of 2020 that you might want to please God in 2021. Just a hunch. And so I thought, what if we spent a little bit of time here at the beginning of the year looking at Hebrews chapter 11, which is a passage about faith, and then what if we went from that passage back to the Old Testament stories that Hebrews 11 talks about and actually see what we could learn about becoming people of faith. So we start a new series today, and if you have a Bible, you could turn to Hebrews 11 or Genesis chapter 6. I'll let you pick because we're going to be back and forth and it'll be too fast for you to go between the two. While you're doing that though, let me tell you about the first time that I began to understand kind of what faith looked like. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up around water. Not like the water you have here, you know, you landlubbers here in Indiana. I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up about 20 minutes from the Atlantic Ocean. And when I was a little kid, we would go to the ocean almost every weekend. Not every weekend, but almost every weekend. We would get up as a family. We would put snacks and drinks in the cooler. We would throw our beach chairs in the back of the car. And then we would uh, throw some sand toys in. And then off to the beach we went. We would spend all day at the beach. It was a wonderful childhood. I love the ocean. I remember as a little kid going to the ocean and we would get there, we would set up our stuff early in the morning before all of the crowds would get there and, and then we would go to the water. 
And I remember as a little kid, just little, little kid. I mean, I'm not that much taller now, but, but when I was just a little, little kid, um, I would run out to the ocean and, and I would put my feet in the water. Now, there was a problem I had as a little kid because I didn't know how to swim. So I, I wouldn't go too far out in the water because the ocean's, that's a serious thing. Right? I mean, the ocean can kill you. If you don't know anything about the ocean, if you've never had the wonderful privilege of swimming in the ocean, there's this thing called the undertow. Right? You got waves crashing in on the shore, and then that water that's crashed on the shore, now it's going to rush back out to sea. And if you're not careful, that undertow can pull you down and carry you right out to sea with it. And so as a little kid, I was taught to fear the ocean because I didn't know how to swim. So I would get out there, put my feet in the water, maybe get a little brave and let it come up to my shins. Every once in a while, maybe up to the kneecaps. And then when I would get really bold, I'd let it come up to my waist. But I didn't know how to swim. So I didn't go any farther. When we as a family, would take some trips. There was one place that we liked to go on vacation that wasn't the ocean, because we did that every Saturday. That's not vacation. That's just what you do on Saturday. But we would go sometimes on these little trips. And one trip, we went to Williamsburg, Virginia, and we went to like Bush Gardens, and, and we did some other historical things around there. But one day on our trip, we stayed at the hotel because the hotel had a pool. And we didn't have a pool at home, so we stayed and we thought it was cool to swim in the pool for the afternoon, which is what we did, except I couldn't swim. So I spent most of the day in the shallow end of the pool, but my dad is a good swimmer. And he spent most of his time in the pool on the deep end. I remember this day, I don't remember anything else about that trip. I couldn't tell you where we went or what we did or even the name of the hotel. I just remember what I'm getting ready to tell you next. I got out of the shallow end of the pool. I walked down the deck of the pool to the deep end. And I stood on the very edge of the pool. And I looked at my dad. My dad's swimming in the deep end, having a good time. And he said, Chris, jump in. I got you. At first, that sounded like a good idea. And so I thought, yeah, I can jump in. And I bent my knees and then I just stood back up. I just, couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And my dad said, no, Chris, come on. You can do it. Just jump in. I got you. I got you. And Dad, I don't know how to swim. Yeah, but it's okay. I got you. Just jump in. And I got to the edge, and I bent my knees, and, and then I stood up. I just couldn't do it. I just I couldn't do it. Over and over and over again, my dad coaxed me to jump into that pool, and, and I thought, eventually, I should just do it. He's not going to let me drown. So I stepped up to the edge of the pool again. I bent my knees. And this time I found some courage. And I jumped. Now, I was expecting my dad to catch me. My dad had no intention of catching me because he was not interested in helping me experience the joy of jumping into the pool. My dad was actually trying to teach me to swim. You see, sometimes God is asking us to jump in, not because he just wants us to experience the joy of jumping. He actually wants to teach us something in the process. 
I jumped into that pool that day and my dad did not catch me. His hands were nowhere to be found. They were completely out of my way, which was deceptive because he was holding his hands out. Come on, jump in, jump in. And then when I jumped, he just backed up. I hit that water and realized no one is pulling me up. And at that moment, I started kicking my legs and paddling my arms. And I popped up out of the water. And when I did, my dad was right there in front of me, cheering me on, encouraging me. That's the day I learned how to swim. Now, that for me is a picture of what faith is. Because in faith, we have to learn how to listen for the voice of our Father. And as followers of Jesus, we should know that voice because Jesus said, as my sheep, you know the shepherd's voice. Right? So we listen for the voice of God. And when we hear the voice of God, we trust that word. We take him at his word because he's God. And he's good and he's faithful and he, he doesn't lie. He's not mean. So we trust him. We take him at his word. And then we put that word into practice. We jump. And we experience whatever it is he wants us to experience. That's what we're going to be talking about in this series. How do we learn to hear the voice of God? How do we learn to take God at his word? How do we learn to do what he's asking us to do? And our first example is the person of Noah. You see, as people of faith, we learn to hear God's voice. We learn to take him at his word and we learn to do what he says. And Noah does exactly this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not seen, that's the hearing of God's voice, he was warned by God, these things are going to happen. And then what happens next? In holy fear, he builds an ark to save his household. He took God at his word and did what God asked him to do. And so uh, I want to take just a few moments here. And, and maybe just unpack some lessons from the story of Noah in Hebrews chapter 11, looking back on Genesis chapter 6, which is where the story is recorded, the, the, the story that Tyler read for us a little bit ago. Uh, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, what we learn about the day in which Noah lived is that the, the culture of Noah's day was wicked and evil. In fact, one translation says that all of the people around Noah, their inclinations were evil all the time. They just kind of did whatever they wanted to do and they didn't care if it offended God or if it was absent of God's direction. They didn't care. They just did what they wanted to do, lived their own lives, went their own direction, did their own thing. Evil, wicked all the time. Genesis chapter 6 verse 7 says that it was so wicked and so evil that God actually regretted that he made human beings in his image. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a culture so wicked, so evil, so perverse that the creator of that group of people would say, I think I made a mistake. 
I know I made them in my image, but they've gone their own direction and we've got problems. But that's exactly what God did. In fact, so much regret, so much remorse that he decides he's going to get rid of them. He just wants to clean the slate and start over. This is a very interesting reality about God. One that we got to take just a moment to talk about. I mean, we're going to talk about Noah, but we got to talk about God first. Because we're seeing a picture of God who says these people have gone their own way for so long and they're so far off track that I can't even put up with them anymore. I've made a mistake. I got to get rid of them. Now, this is really important for us to understand because these are the kind of truths that people want to stray away from in the Bible. Because some of you right now, you feel the uncomfortableness of this topic. Is he going to talk about God's wrath? 100% I am. Because I'm committed to teaching the Bible. And I don't think you can teach the Bible and just skip over verses like this. You see, what happened in Noah's day is that the people said, if it feels good to you, just go do it. You write your own script. If you want to, go for it. If it makes you happy, have at it. You do whatever you want with your life. Whatever makes you feel good. Whatever makes you feel comfortable. Whatever, whatever you enjoy, just go do it. It doesn't matter. There are no standards. It sounds a little bit like our culture today, actually. What we learn about God from Genesis chapter 6, though, is that God is actually going to let you do exactly what I just said. He's going to let you, if it feels good to you and you want to do it, go ahead and do it. God will not stop you. That's why our world is the way it is right now. God, God lets us choose how we live our lives. But the other thing we learn about God in Genesis chapter 6 is that while God lets us choose, it's very important for us to know that God has a plan for how he wants us to live our lives. So we can go whatever direction we want to go in our lives. He'll let us choose. But at the end of the day, we don't actually get judged by the script we wrote for ourselves. We get judged by the script that God wrote. This is really important for us to understand. Because I think in our world today, we've forgotten that one day we're going to stand before the God of the universe and we will give an account for our lives. And yes, you can live your life however you want, but one day you will stand before the judge of the universe and in that moment you can't hide. Now I want to be real clear. While God is angry in this passage, angry enough to say, off with their heads. I mean, he doesn't actually say that, but that's kind of the message here, right? God, God has a plan and a desire, and he's willing to give us grace and truth and power to come back in line with his plan for our lives. But I just want to make it really, really clear that God is the judge. You want to know how to live your life? Don't live by your own script. Figure out what God wants for your life and live according with that. That's the way to live a righteous life. So I want to just make it very, very clear this morning that we have to figure out what God's plan is for our lives and we have to align ourselves with that. 
And I would be doing a disservice to each and every one of you if I didn't let you know that. If I just said to you, yeah, just do whatever you want. God loves you so much, he just wants you to be happy. No. God loves you so much, he wants you to be in line with the plan and intention that he has for your life because that plan and that intention is perfect. And God's calling you to that. And it's important for me to let you know that today. So in the middle of this wickedness, this culture that God wants to destroy, he looks down and he sees a guy who's not like the culture. He sees Noah. And and Noah is described in Genesis chapter 6 as someone who's righteous and blameless, someone who walks with God. This is, this is amazing that you'd have a culture where people are doing whatever they want to do. They're godless. They're going whatever direction they want to go. Whatever makes them happy, they do it. And in the middle of that, there's one guy who's not doing what everyone else is doing. That's Noah. It's not like God said, I really need an ark. Everybody's wicked. Can I just find one of the wicked people to help me out here? No, he looks down and he sees a guy who's righteous and blameless, who's walking with God, and he says, that's my guy. That's my guy. You know what I want for us as God's people in this community? I want God to look down at this body of people and say, those are, those are my guys, those are my gals. They're living the way I want them to live. I can call these people to do whatever I need them to do, and they'll do it. Because they're, they're with me. That's what it means to be a person of faith. And so we look at Noah. Why did God choose Noah? That's the question I want to ask today and kind of unpack the faith that Noah had. So three lessons real quick from Noah's life. The first thing we learn about faith from Noah is that faith is built on the foundation of relationship. It's built on the foundation of relationship. We know this because we find that Noah walks with God. Now, we're not given explanation of what that phrase means, but we have some sense that it means that there's this connection that Noah has with God, that there's, there's an intimacy, a vibrancy that, that exists between them. So we don't know what the habits and the patterns were in Noah's life. Maybe, maybe he spent time every day praying. Maybe twice a year he did 21 days of prayer. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. We just know that he's walking with God. Spending time in the presence of God. And, and, and we know that he's doing this enough that he, he knows what God's voice sounds like. You see, sometimes I think in the church, we think that there like, are a few good Christians who can hear the voice of God. Like They're like the marine Christians. A few good men, a few good women, and, and, and the rest of us are just left. We can't hear God. But actually, the opposite is true. We should all be able to hear God's voice. People didn't make it into the Bible because they were special. They made it into the Bible because they were supposed to be the ordinary examples of the faith. God's not calling you to be an extreme Christian. He's calling you to be an ordinary one, the ones that we read about in the Bible. And in order to do that, you've got to cultivate a relationship with God because you've got to hear God's voice. 
Noah could hear and he knew that's God's voice. I know what that sounds like. I know that's him because he had a relationship with God. You want to grow as a person of faith? Spend time with God. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer. Seek him. Because that relationship will be cultivated over time. You will begin to understand who he is and how he thinks and how he processes things. And you will become more and more like him the more that you walk with him. This is where faith starts. Spend time with God. Second lesson from Noah's life. Faith is a verb. Faith is a verb. Noah is not in Hebrews chapter 11 because he believed God. He's not even in Hebrews 11 because he knew God. He's in Hebrews chapter 11 because he built an ark. When God said to Noah, build an ark, Noah built an ark. He did everything that God commanded. That's what Genesis chapter 6 says. And that's why he's in Hebrews chapter 11. Because he took his faith and he put it into practice. Right? This is why James says in the New Testament, faith without works is dead. In other words, if your faith doesn't show up in everyday life, if it doesn't actually get practiced, it's not faith. Right? The scriptures tell us that even the demons believe and they shudder. What makes the difference between us and the demons? Well, if we're followers of Jesus, we take our faith and we actually put it into practice because faith is always active. This is important because some of you in your life right now, there's something in your life that God's asking you to put down. Might be a habit, might be a sinful pattern, might be something destructive, could be a relationship that's taking you in the wrong direction, could be a mindset or a philosophy, you just need to put it down. I don't know what it is, but God might be asking you to put something down. And until you take that action, you're not really putting faith into action. You're just, you're just hearing God's voice. But when you put it into action, all of a sudden, it's actually showing up in the world. Others of you don't need to put something down. You need to pick something up. God's asking you to start something new. Join this group, lead this group, take on a new organization, enter into this new role. I don't know what it is. God might be asking you to share faith with a coworker, whatever it is. When God's asking you to pick something up, pick it up. Because that's faith. When you take the action, that's faith. Faith without works is dead. But when you put faith into practice, it's alive. And we have to learn to practice this because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right? It's not enough to walk up to the edge of the pool and bend your knees and then walk away. you got to actually bend your knees and then launch yourself into that pool. That's faith. Right? Last lesson from Noah, faith is costly. Faith is costly. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By his faith, Noah condemned the world. Sounds kind of harsh, right? Sounds like, sounds like Noah is, is pointing his finger at the world and saying, you all are going down. We don't really know what Noah said to the culture around him. We just know that God said, build an ark, gave him all the specifications, and then Noah went and got the gopher wood and started building the ark. That's all we know. 
One commentator said that when a person lives a righteous life in the middle of a wicked culture, their life is enough to condemn the wickedness around them. I like that. You want to know how to influence our culture? Live a godly life. It's easy to point our fingers at the world and say, look at how bad the world is. But I just want to come back and say, are we being the church that the world needs? Judgment always begins at the house of God, right? Let's look at our own hearts and say, are we living the kinds of lives we're supposed to live? Let's let that be the testimony to the world around us. Noah did what God asked him to do, and he built the ark. Now, this should go without saying, but it couldn't have been easy. I mean, it's not like arcs were the trendy thing. It's not like everybody on their Facebook page is posting the picture of the ark they just built. Noah is doing something that has never been done before. And it's kind of ridiculous. He's building a boat on dry ground. It's not going to work. It's kind of silly. And it's a big boat. And he's supposed to put animals on it. How weird is this? And so while we don't know the conversation that Noah has with the culture around him, we can only guess that the people around Noah were saying, what is wrong with this idiot? Right? I mean, he's doing something that's never been done before because a voice that no one else hears told him to do it. Some people might say he's crazy. He's certainly doing something that's unpopular, that's going against the culture by the way he lives his life, righteous and blameless, by the way that he's doing something that God's asked him to do, even when it doesn't make sense to do it. You see, faith costs you something, which is important for us to remember because when you think about what does God want you to put down or what does God want you to pick up, it's probably going to cost you something. Are you willing to pay that price? I just want to let you know, whatever the price is, it's always, always, always worth it. In this passage of Scripture, we're told at the end that, in in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, the end of this verse, that because Noah did what God asked him to do, he became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. You see, what happened in Noah's life is he heard God's voice, he took God at his word, and he put it into practice, and because he did, God favored Noah. This is what we're called to do in our day. Be people who hear God's voice, take him at his word, and do what he says. So this morning, as we close, the band's going to lead us in a commitment song. It's a song that just cries out to God that says, just give me faith. Give me faith. And here's the reality. As they're singing this song, some of you need to make that your prayer this morning. And you can do that just by singing from, uh, as one of my mentors says, from the bottom of your toes. You can sing from the bottom of your toes and just make it your prayer. But I also want to let you know that you can come to one of these altars up here and just seek God and say, I want more faith, God. I want to hear your voice. I want to take you at your word. I want to do what you're asking me to do. Give me faith. 
And if you find yourself as we're singing the song in a moment where you need to come to the altar to seek God, I want to encourage you to do that. Three words that I want to give you as you're preparing for this moment of commitment. Walk, listen, and jump. Just like I walked down the edge of that pool and stood in front of my dad and listened for his voice, heard his challenge and his promise that he had me. And then I jumped. That's what I want you to do. I want you to walk with God. I want you to listen for his voice. And when he speaks, I just want you to do what he's asking you to do. So I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing this song, and then I'm going to come back and pray for us. But if you feel led, please come to these altars, and let's seek God together today.